Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Kim Davis. Today is Tuesday, September the 20th. I keep hesitating when I'm saying the date because I can't believe how much of the year has passed. Welcome to Chalk Talk with Kim. I am your host, Kim Davis. Super excited that you are joining me today. There's a lot to get to. Have an exciting show planned, at least what I think is an exciting show. I hope that you think so as well. And for starters, I want to tell you that today's show was brought to you by Kimmy Treats. Listen, a couple of things that Kimmy Treat specializes in, the hand-whipped organic body butter. So if you've got like some dry hands or feet and you want to make sure that your skin is all nice and supple, go on over to KimmyTreats.com and check out the body butter. You will not be disappointed. If you are in Houston, you can go to Sunshine's Vegan Deli and pick up some there. Or you can order it online at KimmyTreats.com. You can also order your vegan popcorn. It's, it's football season. It's about to be baseball playoffs. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But you need some popcorn. You need some really good popcorn and some popcorn that's good for you. So go to KimmyTreats.com, pick up your popcorn, <clears throat> and you will not be disappointed. All right? So I wanted to tell you that as we get started with today's show. Talking about getting ready for the Astros. Well, I didn't say Astros, baseball playoffs. But for those of us in Houston, that means for the Astros. <clears throat> the Astros yesterday blanked the Tampa Bay <clears throat> Devil Rays in Tampa. That final was 4-2 zip. That means the Astros now have a record of 97-51. and 51. They have clinched the American League West. They clinched on the road, so we didn't get a chance to experience their celebration. But they clinched. You know what that means? They have clinched. They have won the American League West five times in the last six years, and they are headed to the playoffs for their to, to yeah to postseason for their sixth their sixth straight season. And um, in case you're paying attention, three of those have been under Dusty Baker, who has been a manager of who has been the manager of the Astros for the last three years. The team has been to postseason all three times. Of course, last year they lost in the World Series to the Atlanta Braves. So baseball season will be extended in Houston. We knew that, but it's good to get that clinched and underway. They still lead the Yankees. The Yankees are 88 and 58. The Astros are 97 and 51. <clears throat> the Astros still have the best record in the American League. They took over the Yankees a few weeks back and um, hope to keep that so that they will have home field throughout the postseason, at least in the American League side. I mean, when you look at what's happening with the Dodgers, they have the absolute best record <laughs> in baseball. They've already won 102 games, and so not real likely the Astros will catch them. And, you know, actually speaking of Astros, a couple of weeks ago we were talking to Dusty, maybe it was last week, and somebody asked him about the record um, or about getting to 100 games, and he said, listen, it's really about finishing with momentum, making sure your, your players are healthy, and and going into the postseason the right way. He said, we want to clinch this thing and, and, you know, get that done sooner than later. But you don't want to get too far ahead and you know, win a bunch of games. And then you're sitting around a long time. He, he said, you just, that's not the goal. And he also mentioned this. The teams that won 100 games last year didn't make it to the World Series. The goal is to win a championship. So um, they have taken the first step by clinching the American League West. Hopefully they will also end up with the best record in the American League so that they will have home field advantage throughout the American League, the ALDS, and also the ALCS. So I'm pretty excited about talking about a little bit of Houston Astros. Later in the show, <clears throat> we had a special show last week with Gretchen Shear, the president of team, op the president of operations, business operations for the Houston Rockets. She joined me on last Thursday. We had a special chalk talk. I'm going to run that interview at the end um, of today's show, as a part of today's show. So if you missed it, you can catch it here, or you can go back to the YouTube or any of the part to the podcast, and you can catch the entire interview. But Gretchen was a really interesting interview. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back <clears throat> and make sure you watch it, and also make sure you share it with your tribe as we continue to build the Chalk Talk tribe here. I'm also excited that today I'm going to have Jonathan Alexander. He is a, a new beat writer with the Houston Chronicle, covers uh, the NFL. He's going to join us and uh, talk a little football, talk a little Texans, and hopefully it'll be the first of uh, many visits that he will he will uh, 
be a part of, but excited to be welcoming him into the show. But before we do that, I want to take care of a little bit of business and uh, make sure that you ask you to definitely support our sponsors, starting with one of our longtime sponsors, Jinka. Here at HEB in the Healthy Living Department of Probiotics, you can find Jinka seven days a week. Of course, Jinka is great for reducing inflammation, helping with pain, lowering cholesterol and high blood pressure, and even um, helping for lowering your A1C for those of you who may be diabetic. So a lot of positive benefits from Jinka. If you're in Houston, you can get it from um, HEB or Southeast Texas, or you can go to their website, ilovejinka.com. So I wanted to take care of that little bit of business. And also for your skincare needs, I want you to check out Stephanie Serling with Sohum Skincare. You will not be disappointed. There's products, there's great services, and it's not only do you does your skin look better, you just feel so good when you leave. You can find the contact information for all of these, um, the sponsors that will be posted in the comments uh, in the description about today's show. So let's talk Texans. <clears throat> the Texans went into Denver on Sunday to what was um, expected. They, they knew they were going to go into a hostile environment, right? They're on the road. They're playing at Denver. The Broncos lost a crazy game the week before in Seattle. Russell Wilson going back to Seattle all those things happening. Russell Wilson back home, his first home game starting as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Mile High Stadium was going to be was going to be rocking and rolling. And the, the Texans were definitely, were clearly, obviously underdogs. And although they lost that game, they were in it. You know, they were in it, and the the offense does continue to struggle. Right, <laughs> the offense continues to struggle. Uh, we're going to talk about that. A little more, we'll get it. We'll break it down a little more when Jonathan joins us shortly. But I want you to hear from head coach Lovey Smith, who talked about the game yesterday when he met the media. You know when <clears throat> when you uh, when you play a couple games and um, you know when you uh, you don't win, you know one score games uh, at the end. It is frustrating, disappointing. Um, you go to you go back to work. You look at all the things that you can do to to try to get over the hump as much as anything, and that's what we've been doing. Had another opportunity tomorrow, or yes, yesterday we let slip by. Um, hostile environment on the road. We're in there with them, but uh, again, we didn't make some plays that we need to. Um, they scored a touchdown. You know, we didn't. We had an opportunity to score to, one great opportunity to score a touchdown. We didn't. Uh, they did. Uh, it's kind of simple as that a little bit. Uh, offensively, um, you know, I talked about getting Damon more involved. We got him more involved, and that will continue. I thought he ran hard, uh, did some good things. And that was head coach Levy Smith yesterday when he met the media um, after losing in Denver on Sunday. I'll let you hear more from Lovey later in the show. But now I'm excited to bring in our guest that I told you about, a guy who I hope will uh, come back and hang it out with us many times here on Chalk Talk. He's kind of new to Houston. He's a beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. He covers the NFL. He came here from North Carolina. Welcome to Chalk Talk, Jonathan Alexander. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. You know, our, our audience likes to, to hear all the best people, so I'm like, we got to get <laughs> right? We got to get Jonathan on. So um, before we, I, we kind of talk about this Texas team and what's happening um, share with the audience a little bit about your background. I know that you're from North Carolina and you were covering the Panthers before you came to Houston. Is that right? Correct. I uh, born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, went to North Carolina Central University in Raleigh, uh, in, uh, in Durham, I'm sorry, and uh, lived in Raleigh, which is right by Durham, for those who don't know about North Carolina, um, for 11 years, including college. 
and covered Duke, Carolina basketball, college basketball is big down there. And then in 2020, uh, pandemic happened. I, I decided to move to Charlotte and cover the Carolina Panthers for the hometown paper and um, did that for two years. And then now I'm here uh, covering the Houston Texans. First time moving out of the state, so it's a little different for me, but uh, but it's been good. You know, Houston, Houston and Texans, um, you know, think they know barbecue. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I'll let y'all slide on that. But it's been good though. All right, though. Start any like the barbecue. I don't eat meat, but I know the barbecue people. That I know that my Texans do think that they 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 know barbecue. So tell me, <clears throat> Jonathan, your thoughts initially. What did you think about when you were coming to Houston? Obviously, if you take a job with a paper, you're, you're taking it for the job and not so much because of the team. Right. What were your thoughts before you got to Houston about what you would be dealing with? What you be? What kind of team you'd be covering? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it was, you know, I was going into the unknown. I, I think the Texans, um, more than many teams around the, the league, were kind of like a – didn't have much other than the Deshaun Watson stuff. Who was on the team? There wasn't really much of a spotlight nationally on the team. Um, they didn't have many superstars, so there wasn't really a reason to pay much attention to them if you're not from the area. Um, so I kind of was kind of coming in blindly. I just knew just based off when the Panthers played the Texans. Um, but, you know, a young rebuilding team that is trying to get back on track after, um, you know, losing their franchise quarterback to, you know, the things that he got in trouble for. So, um, it was, it was, a it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a surprise, a surprise kind of learning the team really. So, Jonathan, you've uh, been here since – did you come – you came right before camp, right? Right before training camp started? Correct. Right before training camp. So I started in July. In July. So you got a chance to be here for all the camp and you've seen preseason. Um, your initial thoughts about, before we get to the team, just the staff. I mean, you've covered some other professional teams and teams, you know, in general in your career. What do you think about the staff, Lovey Smith and his staff that's been assembled? Yeah, I think – Levy Smith did a good job of hiring, uh, you know, experienced coaches or, you know, promoting, you know, Pep Hamilton in particular. I mean, Levy Smith's a good coach, you know, has experience, um, has been successful. I think that's important in the NFL. Now, even though you've been successful, mm -hmm. you have to learn to adapt. And it seems like Levy Smith has, um, you know, adapted to the game. Uh, Uh, I think you might be in the matrix. Uh, we'll give you a second. <clears throat> oh, sorry about there you that. Go. Sorry good. about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think the Texans have a, you know, I think they have some experienced staff members, guys who have had success, like Pep Hamilton, um, who has success in Indianapolis and Michigan, Stanford, um, Lovey Smith, who had success with the Bears. Um, so guys who know how to do it and who have experience. Um, and, and, and they're good people to talk to as well. You know, I wrote a story recently on, on Pep Hamilton, you know, right before the season started and kind of got to know him a little bit. Um, he's a Charlotte guy. Uh, so I, I think the staff is good. Um, you know, I think the thing that I've probably talked to you about in the past is, you know, I just, I'd just be concerned about the talent that they have on this team. <laughs> I think if they had the talent to um, – on this team to really be, I think they could be a successful team, but I think there are some pieces away. Um, you make a great point. We're talking to Jonathan Alexander <clears throat> with the Houston Chronicle, who covers the Texans in the NFL. He is the beat writer, and it's his first season covering the Texans, but it's not his first season, obviously, covering the, the National Football League. Um, let's talk about the talent. You know, I you are, and also Jonathan, because he's a beat writer, he also travels with the team, so he is there all the time like you know i do rockets and and astros and he does all football so i like to bring an expert in who's there even you know more than i am this talent um i know that they're everybody's been looking at what's going to happen with quarterback and you probably didn't see davis mills last year but my initial thought just through two games is that he's taken a step back huh. i felt like he performed better as the season ended last year than what I've seen this year. And what I see is he looks a little overwhelmed. And in some places, 
I don't want to say timid, but definitely uncomfortable. What do you see in Davis Mills so far? Yeah, I mean, the pressure has definitely gotten to him. He's been sacked a few times and fumbled multiple times. You know, I think the issue, I think with Davis Mills, right, he's mm. not a what you would call a franchise quarterback. He's not, um, you know, obviously he was drafted in the third round. But he, he hasn't shown, and I'm not saying he can't be that, but he just hasn't shown uh, an ability to really put the team on his back. I think for Davis Mills to be successful, and I think Davis Mills can be successful. I think Davis Mills can win games. But for Davis Mills to be successful, I think he needs a lot of pieces around him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't think the Texans have that. Like, I look at um, Tua. Uh, I don't particularly think Tua is this um, – you know, superstar guy. Um, but as you saw, the Dolphins <laughs> surrounded him with pieces this year. They, they, they added, a whole lot better with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> added Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is, is better in his second year. And, and now Tua has that and now he can perform. The, the Texans don't, don't have close to that. I like Brandon Cooks. I think he's a really solid player. But, you know, I would argue that the Dolphins – two top receivers are better than Brandon Cooks. And, you know, the Texans' second option, Nico Collins, would likely be a fourth option on some of these top teams. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, Davis Mills has his – what I'm trying to say is I think Davis Mills has his limitations and doesn't have the weapons to be successful right now. You know, one of the things, Jonathan, that has surprised me when I watched the first couple of games and, you know, I, while I do uh, spend a little bit of time on Twitter, I know it's not the real world. But the criticism that Pep Hamilton gets for play calling, and I'm saying, what are y'all watching that you're watching? Because there's clearly a talent deficit, right? Uh -huh. And so, you know, while I think I think Pep is solid, he is not a magician. Uh -huh. um, you're right about the pieces. You know, Davis Mills needs the pieces, and he needs the people like the Brandon Cooks has got to make some great plays uh -huh. because Davis Mills doesn't have great talent. And I think that that combination, I'm mean, thinking about Sunday, the, the, the one that, that Brandon dropped at the knees. It wasn't a well-thrown ball. Right. When Davis Mills is your quarterback, really with anybody, especially Davis, you got to catch that ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're exactly. going to need more of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, two things could be right in that situation. Davis Mills could have thrown a better ball, and Brandon Cooks could have caught it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think you're right. Brandon Cooks has to be extraordinary for, you know, Davis Mills to have success because he's going to throw some inaccurate balls like he did. Um, and uh, I think that's just Davis Mills right now. Can he get better? Sure, with time. Um, but uh, this is a chance right now for the Texans to win this division because the rest of this division isn't any good. <laughs> and, and, and they've got to do the simple things. You can't you can't put blame on, on Pep Hamilton for that throw. That should have been a touchdown you know, to Brandon Cooks. That was easily a touchdown. Anytime you see Davis Mills throwing inaccurate ball, he, he threw plenty of inaccurate passes that could have been caught to his receivers. Um, right. that, that make you like, what happened there? Um, whether it was a pressure getting to him or it was a mis it seemed like a lot of miscommunication with his receivers. He needs to get on the same page with them. You can't blame Pep Hamilton for those things. And he, and you're right. <laughs> He's not a magician. You can't expect him to be, um, but yeah, Davis Mills has to has to be a lot better than he has been. You know, I'm a little surprised at the lack of miscommunication. I mean, they took they spent a lot of time, you know, in OTAs and off season, and I think they went to Oregon. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, I just like where's that coming from? And I don't know if it's the you know maybe he needs one of those sports psychologists. That's a big thing these days. I mean, because I really feel like Davis Mills has regressed. And I was really curious to see what he would do from year one to year two. Let's talk about the offense overall and the adjustment they did make. Obviously, you know, some of us question the whole why is Rex Burkhead here? But, you know, this in week two, they both Pep and Lovey said, listen, Damon's got to get the ball more. And he did. Uh, I think he has a bright future. And especially when he can, you know, <laughs> run inside the tackles. I think he's, I think he might be at, Try not to have a nice little, nice little uh, career as a as a tailback. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Damian Pierce, you know, just like you said, he reminds me actually. <laughs> I, I think I've said this on Twitter. He reminds me of Javante Williams on the mm. Broncos, who they played against. He's just a hard runner. It's not easy to bring down. He's he's quick too, along with his power. 
Um, you know, he's still learning. It's still his first year. Uh, so he, um, you know, has a little wiggle room, but you know, he's obviously their best runner. So when we were looking at week one and we saw them put Rex Burkhead in the game and out carry Damian Pierce and on that third and was it third and one play, they decided to run it with Rex Burkhead instead of Damian Pierce, who had outperformed Rex Burkhead all through preseason. We were just kind of throwing our hands up, like, what are they doing? And, you know, obviously they, they realized that Rex Burkhead didn't have a single carry. You know, I think Rex Burkhead's purpose is in the passing game. I think, you know, he still has some strengths there, even though he's, you know, not obviously not what he once was, but he still has some strengths there. But when you're talking about running the football, you need to put the ball in your best player's hands. Um, in, in particular, that's Damian Pierce when it comes to the ground game. He, I think he's probably the second best playmaker on this offense, you know, potential-wise. Um, and they need to continue to give him the ball. I think he's. I think he has a bright future too, as long as he stays healthy. Um, Jonathan, and I know you've got to. I'm, I have three more minutes because I'm really big on time. I mean, that's my TV background, getting people out on time. Let me ask you about coming up. They're going to Chicago. Chicago's not a great team, and some, some similarities in terms of how the teams are. You know, both teams probably saying, "Let's bounce back this week." What yeah. do you think the, te- the Texans' chances are, and what do you expect to see? improve this week? Because one of the things we, we saw from week one to week two, they did make some improvements in some of the areas, although obviously not enough to, to win, which is scoring more points. But what do you expect to see on Sunday? Yeah, I think the Texans have got to continue to establish that run with Damian Pierce. You know, even though he had 15 carries, that's still a little bit less than what you would see. I want to see Damian Pierce in that 20 to 25 range. Um, I think that they can make things tough. That the, if there's one thing about the Texans, they play great defense so far, with the exception of a couple of lapses in the fourth quarter in both games. The Texans defense played well enough that if the offense was was any bit a little bit better, they would have won both games. I think the Texans defense has to continue to play the way it does. Uh, Justin Fields has not shown that he can really stretch the field and throw it deep. He's, he's definitely a threat in the ground game. Um, but last game against the Packers, he didn't. He threw for 70 yards, played the entire game. Um, you know, this is the Texans' best chance. I think the Brown, the Bears still have offensive line issues. I think Fields is doesn't have enough weapons. Um, I think the Texans. I think they need to win this game. This is the game um, that they should have circled on their calendar as a W. So they got to come out. They got to pressure Justin Fields. They got to make things difficult for him, and they got to establish that run. And hopefully Davis Mills makes some better throws. Hopefully he makes some better throws. So, Jonathan, before I let you go, um, it is not lost on me and probably much of the audience, those of us, the, the part of the audience that here in Houston, is that you being with the Chronicle, to me, is a big thing. Not a lot of African-Americans on the staff. Um, and seeing you as the beat, person um, was exciting when I when I met you right before camp started and can you just talk about how the diversity is starting to grow in terms of writers around the league Um, because I mean I've covered the league 30 years right I started when I was eight but um, and it's I felt at one point that there were more people of color in broadcasting and in journalism ranks than they were in recent years. So I'm glad to see more people getting involved. What's been your take on diversity in, in, in media, sports media? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question and I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I think I think it's getting better. You see a lot better numbers in the NBA than you do the NFL. And more African-American men getting in into the NFL. But there, I don't think there's enough. I noticed this when I was at the NFL Combine just this past week, that there isn't enough African-American women. Um, and and I think, uh, and that is not the fault of African-American women. I think, you know, historically, uh, you know, even me, I haven't seen a lot of faces that look like me who do this job. But when I have, you know, they have motivated me. So the more outreach that people can do, the more encouraging, the more voice they can put out there to, you know, show that this is a problem, the better uh, I think things will be. I think it's moving in the right direction, but I don't think it's moving fast enough. Um, what I do like is a Houston Chronicles editor is an uh, executive editor is a black woman. And I think she's making a, a conscious effort uh, in her part to do, to increase diversity at the Charlotte Observer where I was last time we really, you know, ramped up the diversity in our sports department. I think at one time 
if you include Charlotte Observer and the News Observer, we had one, two, three, four, five black people um, between our sports department and with a staff of about 10 or 11 sports people. So I think things are getting better, but you have to be more purposeful in that yeah. in, in order for it to get better. You have to bring awareness and you have to, you know, recruit people and, and, and you have to be, like I said, purposeful is, is the word I'm trying to use in, in, in your recruitment of African-Americans. Jonathan Alexander, the Houston Chronicle. Thank you. I appreciate it. I will, uh, will definitely have to have you come back and I will see you at practice tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me on. See you tomorrow. Absolutely. So that's Jonathan Alexander from the Houston Chronicle. Um, you know, I always love it when I see people that look like me and, and especially when they're people that know what they're doing and who are receptive, right? Uh, which isn't necessarily always the case. So, um, yeah, Bernard's got a great point. More diverse managers is really the key. It's really the answer. You know, I can't tell you how many times I hear, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you laugh before I play the rest of this lovey sound. So, you know, I'm, I'm there all the time, right? All the places, Astros, Texans, Rockets. Well, most of the places, not U of H. I know that's petty, but let me just say that. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I've done talk radio. You, you know my background if you follow me. If not, just, you know, uh, check out all the work. It's been a, a pretty a pretty full career. And so I, I listened to the radio guys talk about how their managers say that their audiences won't be receptive or listen to women. But when they do put a woman on, she's usually, she's never me, obviously, and she never looks like me. And she never has the body of work that I have. And so I joke with them sometimes. I, I think you guys know me well enough to know I'm not, I'm not campaigning to be on anybody's show. Um, I'm working to build what I do here and build some other things. But I just sometimes say, man, I can't believe you had, you know, so-and-so on. Not a knock on those women, but I, it's not lost on me. And so I say that to say, uh, if you find people like myself, and someone else, support them. Follow Jonathan's work, right? Because that's what that's what needs to happen. Managers or sponsors or people that make decisions need to know that, oh yeah, these people know what they're talking about and they have they're viable and, and people like what they do and are following. And I want to be a part of those people that follow them when I say a part of it, because at the end of the day, they're always trying to sell you something, right? And so I just encourage you to not just support me. Um, and help me grow Chalk Talk, but support other people in the industry, other diverse voices, because not just because it's the right thing to do, it's the best thing to do, because perspective is everything, and diversity really impacts that. So I wanted to throw that in. So let's get back and talk a little bit about, I'm going to let you hear a little bit more from Lovey Smith. So I am just, you know, I, you know, I sit in these rooms <clears throat> with peers, I'm going to be, say peers, that's a kind thing to say, and listen to them talk about like a Lovey Smith or, and actually not so much Lovey, they're questioning him some, but they're really questioning Pep. And I don't understand that because you've got Davis Mills, who at this point doesn't look very good, right? He looks kind of scared, like, I don't want it, I don't want it, you take it. I mean, that's how he looks late in the game. That's how he's looked. I'm just telling you through my eyes. That's what I see. And you've got an offensive line that's kind of coming together. You know, your starting center who did not have a great first game. We don't know what he's doing. He's still out for personal reasons. I hope that he's well. I mean, I don't mean, you know, but I, I don't know. Um, the, the backup center, Quesenberry played on Sunday, played better than Britt did in the first week. You've got the young Aggie at, uh, at guard who's playing well. You've got Larry McTunzel who's you know, heralded as all pro and all world who don't really like to, you know, block for the run. It's not, he seems very disinterested in that. I mean, so they've got some pieces, some things they're working on. They're better, but those, it's so easy. When, I'm going to say it. It's easy when it's an African-American coach that automatically is coaching. I mean, I had to listen to these people talk about Dusty Baker all year. Like, oh my gosh, he's the worst thing for the Astros. I hope they get rid of him and bring A.J. Hitch back. Y'all, somebody look up A.J. Hinch's record. He, he's the manager for the Detroit Tigers and, and drop it in the chat, okay? You know what I mean? It's just, it happens everywhere. And I mention it because sports is a place where I work, 
But I'm sure it happens in your fields, in your businesses, whether you're a lawyer or maybe you're a teacher, or you have a, you know, you have a, a business, whatever it is, these things that we have to face, I just, it's why we have to be very intentional about who we support. And today is voter registration day. You know what that means? You need to vote. You need to register, right? And if you follow Chalk Talk, you're probably registered because I harass you about it all the time, not just during election season, but get registered to vote, help somebody else get registered. And if you're in one of these voter suppression states like Texas, today's a great day to go online and look at all the ways that you can, the kinds of photo ID that will be accepted for you to show up at the polls and vote with, and the kind of um, the kind of photo photo IDs that are necessary for you to be able to vote by mail. Get all the information so that there are no shenanigans, right? It's voter registration day. I never will tell you who to vote for. I will definitely say you absolutely got to vote. You got to vote. All right. So um, with that, let me let you, we're going to get back to talking about Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans. So let me kind of gave you an overview of what happened after the game. And then he also talked about the offense, I believe the actual question that was asked was about, you know, dealing with the struggles of Davis Mills. And here's how Lovey responds to that. Um, our passing game, we still haven't, you know, accomplished what we, you know, we've been setting out to do uh, with it. Felt like we had opportunities for that. Defensive side of the ball, I thought the guys played hard. You know, never you only take the ball away one time. I mean, you, you need more. The one time we did take it away, it was a great play by Kristen Kirksey. Um, other things, we um, offensive side of the football, we didn't do a good job on third downs, uh, keeping drives going. Defense, we played a lot better, uh, you know, in third in, in a third down situation. But eventually, they um, uh, they determined the winner uh, by the score, and um, we got to score more points. As simple as that. So that's actually a different cut, but he was talking, he was talking about the offense. This is Lovey talking specifically about Davis Mills. It's pretty hard to go with the strength. We talked about Davis enough without me going over his strength and things like that. What we would like to get accomplished with our passing game is just production. Um, when we have opportunities, um, you know, to catch the ball, we had a few drops. Um, you know, if you get the running game going, get those one-on-one matchups, that's what we're trying to do. So how we envision it is that we're running football team. We get an opportunity to make some big splash plays in the passing game. We're going to do that. We're not getting off of the bus uh, passing the football. We want to be a running team as far as that's concerned. I mean, he's right. Like, what else can you say about Davis Mills? I mean, you don't want to put it all on Davis. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team effort, the entire offense. And but Davis Mills has to be better. He has to be better if they have any really any chance. I mean, the defense has played well enough each one of the first two games for them to win. You hold Denver to 16 points in Denver on the road with Russell Wilson, who wasn't having his greatest game, but you always know he can go out and make a play when he needs to. You're gonna have to do better. And so if you can hold the Broncos in that offense, which has some weapons to 16 points, you know, that is uh that's a good day. They they got they've got to do better with the turnovers. I mean, with the penalties, they had some pre-snap penalties, and you know I think they were penalized from a total of ninety-four yards. That's never ideal, but they've got some things to build on. They just got to keep building. And then this last piece from Lovey, he was asked about that third and sixteen play. What happened with the coverage? And here's him. Here's Lovey explaining that third and sixteen play. Cover two, we get reroutes on on the one receivers. Um, we have half field back behind. They hit a spot in between. We didn't play the coverage the way it should. That's not a, a play that we should give up in that situation. You know, a lot of times cover two, you know, you can put a guy uh, short and a guy deep. In that situation, third and 16, we kind of moved him back. Uh, we, that's not a play that should have happened. One of the major disappointments, I'll say, from that game was that play. Good. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. And that was Texans head coach Levy Smith on yesterday. He'll talk again tomorrow. So listen, if you don't follow me, be sure that you do that. Follow me on um, all of the platforms. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Kim Y. Davis. Follow me on Instagram at Kim. I mean, Kim Y. Davis Media. And I'll give you updates throughout the week about what's happening and what's happening with the Texans and the Astros or, or any other things 
that are happening before we're into we're together again in this space. So I, I want to encourage you to follow me in those places. I mentioned that um, we had an interview last week with Gretchen Shear. She is the president of business operations for the Houston Rockets. And so uh, I'll be doing that throughout the season, doing some just special interviews that may not be at our regular time, but I will also include those interviews in our show because many of you come to the show and, um, you know, to to be a part of the, the conversation. So while I love it when you're here live, just know that you can always also go back and get the show. You can watch it on YouTube and then you can also find the show um, Chalk Talk on all of the podcast platforms. So we're going to be in multiple places for you to be able to, to participate. So I appreciate you guys being here. And I want to share this interview with Gretchen Shear, who is, as I mentioned, the president of business operations for the Houston Rockets. Busy time of year. Welcome to Chalk Talk. <laughs> Hi. That was fun. Like, welcome for the first time. So that, that means you're coming back. Yeah. I know, right? Like, <laughs> set the stage. So, yeah, pot committed now. Yeah. So listen, I know that this is, um, it's always a busy time in, in terms of what you do, but, you know, we got the notice about media day coming up in like a week and a half and it's really That's, here. That always means it's real. When you get the <laughs> media day, you're like, real. oh, I like, guess. Wait a minute. It's a yeah. week from Monday or Tuesday, yeah. media day. Um, before we talk about the Rockets, I want to talk a little bit about you, right? You have been with the Rockets organization. This is going to your 22nd year. Is that right? Twenty. I know. I, I told you someone the other day. Twelve. Twelve is the I number started, one. Yes. I was gonna say five, but twelve works. Twelve works also. I'll take twelve. So. Yeah. So yeah, you I started. Did. Can you talk a little bit about just your journey? Because if I, when I was looking back over your kind of bio, you started as an account executive and kind of so you know about really all parts of the business operations. That is the blessing and the curse of when you. Of when you when you come up um, as as long as I have and in, in as, as many different capacities through the years. But yeah, I started um, about a year after college. I had done a stint with a minor league team, doing sort of some marketing um, operations out of college. Uh, I was a diver at LSU, so I didn't have like any internships or any sort of career prep um, leading into that. Like my job was. To be an athlete and so when i finished um i i got the, i got the job uh, i thought working in sports would be would be cool i thought it would be something that i might enjoy and, and feel passionate about but i did not want to go into ticket sales um so that's how i took the first marketing job with a minor league team as opposed to a ticket sales job with maybe a more established brand um and that team uh folded ceased cease front office <laughs> operations after a year. And then I took the ticket sales job, right? So um, I tell people all the time, like learn, learning how to sell and getting close to the money, like early in your career, one, like you're always selling something, right? Whether you're a broadcaster or a member of the media or in accounting, like you always are selling your idea, yourself, whatever that is. And so, um, so as so so I did it, so it would be a good skill. Uh, turned out I was relatively um, good at it. And at the time that I joined the Rockets, my first season was that rough season when Steve Francis was hurt. Um, and pr prior to uh, maybe the last two seasons, the longest losing streaks we had had at the time were my first, was my first season. And that led to the drafting of, of Yao Ming. And then the year after that, we opened Toyota Center. So our franchise was changing pretty significantly at the time that I started. So a lot of different positions and opportunities were, were coming available because we were gonna operate the building, we weren't gonna be a tenant. And I just, um, I, was, I was performing well. And so I got a good amount of opportunities relatively early in my career to, to advance. And then you blink and it's 22 years later and you're the team president. So that, that's, the, that's the short story. Was that ever the goal? I mean, what was it when you said, I'm going to go into sports, I'm going to do this? What did you think you, where did you think you end up? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. One, I didn't, I didn't think I would end up like I, I needed a job, uh, a friend of mine who had been a diver at A&M that I had, that I had gone to high school with, 
um, was working in the event marketing department at Compact Center. And she was a year above me and she really liked it. And I just remember seeing her saying that she liked her job and she liked going to work every day. So I was like, maybe I'll try that. So um, early on, I just wanted a job to pay my bills and be able to pay for my own uh, my own apartment. And then once I started to figure out that there could be a real um, career path, uh, I started to think a little bit more about how serious could this get. Um, I'm super passionate about college sports and Olympic sports. So early in my career, I thought that I would kind of pivot over into maybe more of the Olympic sports or the or the college realm. Um, and things were just going well here and I kept getting opportunities and I was doing my job and next thing you knew, um, opportunities uh, advanced. It probably wasn't until maybe like seven or eight years ago that I really got to a stage where I started thinking more about myself and, and my own career and what that meant, where I really started to feel confident that the opportunity to be a team president was was real and that I could actually do it. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to get my dog and take care of a couple <laughs> sponsors, and then we're going to come right back. <laughs> Hang on, Gretchen. Don't go anywhere. sometimes likes to be a part of the show and I guess today is one of those days she heard you were here and she wanted to join so this is Angel she's the little mascot for Chalk Talk. <laughs> um, when you know in recent years the the landscape has changed a little bit for women right there are more women especially in sports but in, in roles of leadership can you talk about just the shift and if you think there's going to be more of that um, on an executive level yeah I mean for sure I you know, I, I get asked this question, obviously, a, a, a good amount, um, right, rightfully so. Um, and, you know, I, I tell the time, like when I was coming up in Houston in this in this business, you know, Pam Gardner was the president of the Astros. Yes. Right. And so it was it was even more rare, um, you know, 15 years ago when I was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was starting. So there was never being so fortunate to be in a city where you had a female that was leading a team It never felt that crazy or out of reach or that difficult. Uh, I mean, obviously it was difficult, right? But it, it felt some, it felt like something that was attainable because there was someone down the street that was, that was doing it. Um, but I tell people all the time, it's really hard to become a female president of a team if you're not a general counsel of a team, if you're not the head of revenue, if you're not the head of business operations, if you're not the senior VP. And so you know, really making sure that you're building a bench just like you would in any company or any team or any sport of who's going to be the next person that can rise up. You can't have an entry level employee, you know, move into the um, move into the role of team president without having developments along the way. And so I think that, you know, the more attention that is paid, the more times people think about ensuring that whenever you're hiring for position, you're making sure to take the time to have a full diverse state of, you know, slate of candidates that you're looking at before you make the decision versus, you know, the first referral that you get because you have to fill a job really quickly and making sure that you're doing, you know, a full inclusive recruiting opportunity. And then as well, make sure that we're providing leadership opportunities and growth opportunities for our young staff to be able to be in the position so that when the next step is available, they feel confident and ready to take that. So as team president, and often, you know, those of us who work in sports know that the general manager is on the, the player side, um, the on the court stuff. And then there's a whole other part of the organization, like in any other business, right, that does yeah. really everything else. Can you talk really a little bit about that for, for people who don't understand what, you know, what kind of roles and responsibilities you have as, as, as president? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Rafael is obviously the, the general manager. And so everything that has to do with a player or a coach and the performance that happens and the product that's delivered 
by the guys that are on the court is his responsibility. So from the trainers to nutrition, to the coaches, to the, you know, to decisions on trades and who to sign and player development and the G League and, and that area rolls up into him. Everything else that happens on the business side um, is is under my under my purview. And so I'm really fortunate because he worked on the business side. So, you know, when we need things and we need to collaborate, and we need to compromise on on certain things that it's, it's very, very helpful having someone that understands um, the business side on on that side of the business. But I mean, I oversee all of our accounting, our finance, our HR, our legal, all the shared services that you would have um, in a company, the sales and marketing and activations um, of all of our live events from uh, the concerts to to Rockets games. Obviously, Rockets games are a little bit more intensive on the on the sales and marketing side. Uh, the concerts does, you know, that is a big part of it. But we book it and we work with concert promoters who do a bit more of the of the selling because that the ticket the ticketing is theirs not ours so question this is i don't know if, i'm sure you've been asked this before but what's the most challenging part about what you do in your role um that yeah <laughs> which, <laughs> i mean pick which one. day right which day i mean look i mean the most challenging part is just you know recognizing what you can control and what you and what you can't control um obviously when you work on the business side um when you are in the playoffs and competing for a championship, it's just a little bit easier. And so, you know, making sure that we are delivering a quality product and entertainment experience that is second to none, that we are telling the stories of growth and development of these young players who, you know, are very, very young, but are reaching this life dream on this, you know, goal and, and mission that they have to become the best athletes. Um, in the world, making sure that we're doing that justice, right? And that our fans are, that our fans are committed and bought in and excited about the journey. Um, and sometimes when you're in this chapter, that can be a frustrating process for fans. Um, and we feel like, and, and, part of, and part of my job is to make sure that it's a fun, enthusiastic and engaging process for our fans. And I feel like we've done a pretty good job um, with that over the last couple of years. And, and it also allows us to be really flexible, right? It's, we get to tell different stories. We get to try new promotions. We get to do a, a game within a game, um, normally in about, you know, that you can't always do when, um, when you're in the Western conference finals, like there's no other game within the game, right? Like that right. game is, That's it. that game is win or lose <laughs> or go home. Like that is the game. And when you're, you know, when you have a full regular season where you get to tell stories about, you know, young draft picks and their journey to become, to become great, um, it's really exciting for the business staff because they have more creative flexibility and more involvement in the process. Talking with Gretchen Shear, the, the president of business operations for the Houston Rockets, it's her chalk talk debut. I have to kind of keep reminding her of that. <laughs> you know, Gretchen, you've been with the team, like you said, uh, some of the great days, those pushes to try to get toward a championship, and now in this total rebuild mode. So can you talk about um, how you do those things, make it exciting and and try to, you know, probably keep your staff also really motivated about going through these lean times because those of us who cover the team and see these young guys playing are like, they're talented. You've got some stars. But when you look at just the wins and losses, which a lot of fans do, especially in the market right. like Houston, I'm a Houstonian, so I can say that. How do you, how do you, how do you balance that in terms of being able to keep your team kind of revved up saying, hey, this is a process and we still got to deliver this, find this excitement. Yeah, I mean, like like I was saying earlier, I mean, the, the parts of, again, like it is, it is a little, everything tastes better when you're winning. The lines are shorter, the beer's colder, right? Like the tickets <laughs> randomly just suddenly aren't as expensive, right? Because it's a high, right? When you're, when you're winning, like people are, on, are in a high, it's easy to, um, it's easy to, to, to capture that momentum. Um, the casual fan notices that a lot more. Um, the hardcore fans, right, know the process and the development and, and this journey that we're in. Um, but, you know, we need the entire community to be bought in to where, you know, to where we're going. And so our team knows that it's going to be harder. Um, our fans are really smart. So it's really important to me. It's important to the Fertitas. It's important to Rafael that we are truthful and transparent and honest about what this process is. Um, so that's why when you hear us talk about the growth and the development of the players versus how many games 
we've won or lost. It's it's really telling the story of saying, this is what we want you to look for. And this is the development that we want to see in Jalen. This is the difference that we're looking for in Jabari. Here's how, here's what Alpi did overseas, you know, this summer. And this is why we're excited to see that because it is going, it is going to be a process and it's not going to be overnight. And we have phenomenal fans that, um, that are really excited about it. And our job is to make sure that the games are just as fun as, you know, when you're competing, you know, for those, for those long runs as it is when, when you're not. And so we've brought in a bunch of new theme nights we've done and tried different ideas last year. We'll enhance on those this year and, um, and hopefully it'll be a great time for all. So speaking of this year, and you're right, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is you know how some of us in the media can be. We want to get you to answer a question <laughs> the way we want you to. And I've heard other, I heard my colleagues trying to get Rafael and and Steven to to pretty to put a number, right? Like right. what does improvement mean? And they both and even and even Tillman, they really stayed away for that from that. And we just talked about growth. I mean, obviously everybody wants to win games, right? But can you talk about just some of the excitement around the youth you guys have. And before you say it, I'm going to say this. I've covered the league for almost 30 years. I started, we'll say I started when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really one of the best group of players. You know, I, I covered a team, I covered the, the championship teams and, and it was different back then. All those guys were great. But in this kind of new era, these young guys on the Rockets team, I don't know how you guys kind of got so lucky, but they all are pretty high character guys and they play really hard even when they knew the chances of going beyond beyond the regular season just didn't exist for them the past two years yeah i mean they're they're starting like they are starting their journey right so earlier i talked about you know i took a job in ticket sales hopefully to get that opportunity they're drafted they're playing for the first or second time they're fighting for playing time they're fighting for that you know that first step and what they hope to be a very long and meaningful career. And when you do that, sometimes you it's it's competitive, right? And this group is really, really well balanced um, and just like each other. And they have great chemistry. And you know, I know that they talked about it earlier when when there was some media availability of how many of the guys are, you know, stayed in Houston and have come to Houston, have been working out and training together um, over the summer. And they're just nice and they're really fun. And I was talking about that the other day. I was like, this is the nicest, most enthusiastic group that, you know, we've had wonderful, great veteran players, but there's someone you've done something for a long time, right? You've covered this team for a long time. When people walk into these rooms and they're young and they're enthusiastic and they're going to media day for the first time and they've never done it, you can't help but feel that enthusiasm. Um, we, we feed off of that from the staff. Um, we think our fans are feeding off of that because they're just excited to be here and they're ready to show the world what they're made of. So I told Gretchen I wouldn't keep her too long um, and I'm going to keep to that. But I, I do want to ask you this. One of our uh, one of my viewers, he is our legal expert. He's an attorney. I have him on often when I have legal things. His question is, what are some of the legal challenges a long established franchise like the Rockets are concerned about in the future? Spoken like an attorney, right? And like an attorney, I know. And putting me on the spot, like everybody likes to answer legal questions live like what could possibly <laughs> what could possibly go wrong charles no i mean look one of the things that we are um that that we are doing you know we, we've done um uh we did a competition called clutch city beats um over the summer we're really excited to roll that out where we had a competition where local artists and creators of music and producers could produce unique content that can be used for the rockets in game so when you do a prompt for a let's go rockets or maybe it's something that's used on the dance cam right where it's the ip that you know the team helped create and that we help control is helpful um because you know music and some of those rules with social media and how that mm -hmm. has taken on and what rights you do and don't have to use that as as a team and as a business entity um has certainly changed over the years so how do you continue to deliver really engaging content to your fans, but do it in a way um, that, you know, that is, that is uh, legal, right? And that, that, it, that, that you, that you can control that doesn't have somebody else's IP in the background. So. And the last, the last thing I will ask you is about WISE. I know that you are a founding member. Can you talk about what the organization is and what you, when you, when you got involved at the beginning, what you hoped it would be and where you see it going? 
Yeah. So, um, so Wise was actually founded um, in, over 25 years ago in, in in the 90s by a group of women in in New York, and over the time, um, they had developed other chapters in other cities, and we had some women um, that had moved to Houston that were in Wise chapters in other cities, and when they got to Houston, and we have so many great sports and events and entertainment properties and we're obviously a huge city they were very very surprised that we didn't have a wise chapter and so they asked myself and a, and a couple of others of the of the leading executive women in houston to become founding members to get a charter chapter here in houston so in 2016 2017 um, we launched wise and we had kind of like a pre-launch party and we had over 200 women in the sports and events industry show up for this and it was just at that moment, we knew it was something that we had to move forward with because to provide that safe space and be a leading resource for people that are going through challenges. I mean, look, everyone has challenges in, in, in their jobs and in their careers, and everybody has long nights and projects that they have to work on. But when you work in a sports entertainment industry and you put on a live event, um, you can't, it's very difficult to do that job remotely. You have to be there, right? Which means a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays. That's challenging for everybody. It's particularly challenging for women as they advance in their life, in their career, in their families. Um, and so to make sure that we have this, this safe space to be each other's confidants and supporters so that when I'm in a room and somebody asks me if I know someone who's ready for X, Y, and Z, I'm thinking about the next generation of women um, to make sure that they get the same opportunities that I did. Christian Shear, I appreciate it. I know we've talked about getting together for a while. You'll have to come back. See, we're harmless here, right? I know, we're harmless. <laughs> and we'll have to get together when not running. Men run together. They run into each other at the golf course. We run into right. each other when we get our eyebrows done. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Christian, I appreciate it. Thanks again. I will see you, I guess, on media day in about a week. I will. Yes, week from Monday. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. See you soon.